Howdy, y'all. Ha-ha, it's Roaster Brian. I threw this on the uh, Food Forest Farms uh, Facebook page today also because uh, Chicken Joe said, hey, you know what? You're a coffee roaster. People would like to see you roast some coffee. So there we go. All right, I'm testing out your food product. Hey, I'm back. Look at that. Uh, okay. Maybe I have a shitty connection. Maybe I don't. Uh, well, yeah, it's saying my connection is terrible. Unsubscribe on Wi-Fi. Try unplugging your computer. Moving in. Uh, I don't know what I could do. Uh, um, let's just do a little test here. Oh, no, that doesn't help a whole lot. Uh, well, let's just see. See if we remain stable to the All right, we're going to spend three seconds on the roast. If you never... Uh, if you've never seen one of my roasting shows live before, uh, 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 let's see. Can you see here? Uh, here, I'll move this. I don't need them. Hold on. I gotta go live on. Uh, I gotta go on Telegram to start the stream. I forgot. It's a, it's a special beast. It wants to be started with its own, uh, its own thing. Okay, there we go. Now I can see your chit chat on Telegram. Yeah. Any coffee roasting questions at all? Feel free. Ask away. So yeah, uh, okay, here, I'll get this out of the way. Okay. Sorry, I got the earbud in one ear, I'm listening to the other ear. I, I roast mostly by listening. Uh, it changes, uh, you'll hear, it'll change frequency, and we'll get into the whole roasting stuff. Uh, oh, here, throw back on the comments so I can see if you guys are yakking at me. Uh, if you want to ask any coffee questions, it is the link is live in the chat on uh, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. If you want the live link to ask me a question, you don't have to put your picture on air. You can come on and not uh, click on stop camera. Just have your mic on, and it'll just put up a little square. A circle with your initial the Ask me coffee questions. Okay, so this is my roastery. Um, over here, you have a cooling tray hooked up to a big uh, half horsepower uh, air pump down there. So this is on the same air 
as my exhaust hood, right? When I dump the beans out into this cooling tray, I pull a lever and open a gate. I think you can hear that. So I pull a gate open, right? And it opens the airflow down through that screen and it sucks air through the beans, it cools them down to room temperature quick. Coffee beans, once you get them up to dark roast, so second crack, they become endothermic. If you don't stop them actively, they've got enough heat inside them, like a compost pile, where it will just start to become a, uh, it will just start to become a fire. Is there a best solution for long-term storage of oh, roasted coffee? Uh, well, hold on, that's Okay, long-term coffee should be stored green, not roasted. Stored in an environmentally appropriate conditions. So, in my studio, I have vapor barrier floors, right? We've sealed the concrete so that it can't off-gas vapor up into the beans. Um, and it is cool out here. It's always in the 50s or 60s, um, or like 60s, yeah, high 50s, low 60s, uh, uh, year round. So they will be good for years, actually. Green. Uh, the thing is, okay, just in uh, seven minutes, this is a close to this is the last part right here. Uh, so I'm doing a northern Peruvian video. There we go. And if you just heard that, that was the first crack. Crack. Then wait here some more in a minute. But that was seven minutes and 14 seconds. I'm right on the perfect glide slope. You want to hit first crack between six and eight minutes. Seven's ideal. We were at 714. We're pretty close. It all has to do with atmosphere, humidity, temperature, how fast the roast, you know, how much wind there is out today, and how much sucking cold air in to replace the hot air will stay pumped out. That's why you really got to know, if you, well, if you want to make exact coffee, you have to know your machine and variability, and you have to pre-do things, or else. So this roaster is an analog air roaster. It's an Artisan 2.5, meaning it spits out 2.5 pound batches. So means I have to load it with 3.3 pounds of coffee. 3.2, something like that. Depends on medium dark, all that. Uh, but so I load a little over three pounds. I yield out two and a half pounds. So when you're like, hey, I'm buying two pounds of coffee or a pound of coffee, understand I had to roast a pound and a half of coffee to get you a pound of coffee. So if you look at what coffee costs, commodity chart, you're like, oh man, no, no. That's before you like roast throwing stuff away. <laughs> and shrinking it, right? Because roasting is shrinking the weight of the coffee. Uh, oh, I got distracted. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Josh asked about the long-term storage. So don't store coffee long-term roasted. Um, 
if we're talking apocalypse scenario shit, okay. So, my Mylar bags. There's different levels of Mylar bag. See how it's got a foil? Outside color level, and there's two plastic ones on the inside. And then that thing in the middle there, that's a valve. It's a one-way valve. Coffee beans put off carbon dioxide, like literally, when they're done roasting. They keep doing the chemical reactivity for days, and they literally pump out carbon dioxide. So you don't need a big, expensive, nitrogen overpressure coffee filling machine to flush out the oxygen, which everybody brags about when they go spend a fuck ton of money. Because the physics will do it for you. If you pack the beans fresh in a one-way degasing valve bag, the production of CO2 as it off gases, right? You'll see them kind of want to pump up, but they won't smell them out the bag, pushing the oxygen out. So if you throw it in a four layer, mylar, right? And two of the layers are metal, so photons can't penetrate. Because what is the enemy of all organic matter in the universe? Chemistry class from 8th or ninth grade? Well, ninth grade, 18th chemistry. Uh, light, heat, and oxygen. Right? And STP, standard pressure and temperature. Right? So, if you keep it away from light, heat, and oxygen, and you keep it near sea level at a mid-range temperature outside of a field. Ideal. So light, heat, and oxygen are the enemies of coffee, right? Because it oxidizes. Free oxygen in the atmosphere attaches to the chemicals, and it starts oxidizing. Okay. All right, sorry, it takes a little concentration. It's like an old DJ booth where you got round table, yeah, I got turn style discs. One controls the heat of the airstream up through the machine, through the beans, makes them fly in the air, and then exits into my exhaust room, sucking the hot air off and blowing it out of the grocery room. Um, here, I'll give you a close up. I think my battery can handle this. Let's see. Okay. So, right there. It's an Artisan 2.5. My little roasting jack there. I got a timer so I could always see how long the beans have been in there. The temperature of the current airstream, right? And then I have airstream setting and temp settings. You see how I pegged out on temp. I throw it to the highest setting possible. And then I work with the weight of the coffee versus fucking with the temp. That way I can roast on max most of the time. Um, and I don't know if this is going to want to play nice to show you the beans while they fly. Uh, uh, 
So it's important to kind of okay. There we go. Turn it down a little. You can hear the you can hear the motor really come down. A minute thirty. Those are down to room temperature. Really, they're they are cooled in about thirty seconds. Uh, they are down to room temp from a dark roast in about a minute twenty. That was a medium roast. It hits cool in about a minute. Which is about the same amount of time that it takes to get um, when you first throw coffee in the machine. Okay, so this goes back to Josh's question on the keeping it uh, in a bag. So green coffee is a crystal, uh, a crystalline structure. Um, okay, so the, think of like a rock, crystal. When it is in its rock form, its crystalline form, it, oxygen can only see the surface of the coffee bean, so it can only attack it on its surface. So if you think of it as like, you know, a uh, percentage of the whole that is available to be attacked by oxygen. It's a very small percentage because it's a surface, right? As soon as you roast it and you excite the water inside the crystal structure above about 450 degrees, the pressure is so much that it explodes the crystal and the steam escapes. But now you've made all these holes for oxygen to come in and attack your coffee bean now from a million times the surface area, right? That's why roasted coffee will go bad at a rate X, right? And when you grind it, now you've exposed a billion times the surface area of green coffee. Now you're talking a little scale in 90 seconds, 120 seconds, the oxidation will occur. So, store coffee green, buy fresh, the freshest coffee you can. If you are storing coffee for the apocalypse, whatever, then uh, buy from somebody that uses four layer mylar valve bags. That's a good start. If you're worried about The taste of coffee, sourcing specialty coffee and getting a coffee that doesn't have defects in it to begin with is the way to go, right? If you're going to keep a shitty coffee, the same shittiness for a long period of time, what's the point? Your storage only becomes like a real issue if you have sourcing coffee of quality that tastes like sweet and light and delicate that has some floral in there or some chocolate or some notes you want to taste. If, if, if you're buying commodity coffee and you're going to chuck fucking cream and sugar in it, then what's the point? It doesn't matter what bag it comes in, it can't. But if you want to buy beautiful coffee and you want to hold it, so, and, okay, if you, you stick it in the refrigerator to beat the light, heat, and oxygen thing, right? 
understand that coffee will absorb anything that it's in. So if you have an onion in your fridge, you're not going to have onion coffee. If you got a hot dog pack open in your fridge, you're going to have hot dog coffee. Coffee will suck in. That's why oxygen destroys it so fast. It's roasted coffee that's very volatile. It's very uh, susceptible. Uh, <laughs> Alexkovich, in my belly. In my belly. <laughs> yeah, store coffee there, then you don't have to worry about it. Oh. Uh, good coffee doesn't last any longer. It just, you know, when shit degrades, it, it oxidizes. Good coffee oxidized will still taste better than shitty coffee fresh. <laughs> uh, just saying. Okay, now the trick here is, okay, we're up to 6 minutes, 47 seconds. My air temps come up to about 570. And I used to have another duplicate inside the actual burn chamber that would be measuring the actual temperature of the beans themselves. Except after you roast, it's like 10,000 batches on the same roaster. I pretty much got it. So I knew where the other thermometer was always in relation to the airflow thermometer. So since they always moved in lockstep, it, it was just redundant to have two because if I saw one, I could know what the other one was. Public school math, it ain't that bad. All right, yeah, so we're cracking, we're cracking right off about 750. It's a little colder today, got almost, uh, it was almost freezing overnight, I think. It might have been a little ice on the phone, I don't know. I didn't neck it up or I laid in a nice warm bed doing my internet shit. Tell Chicken Joe's on five things like, get the fuck up, put me some work. Oh no. She's, she's hard at work. Coffee Club ships out, uh, I don't know when the 15th is. I want to say Monday. I don't know, maybe next week sometime. Coffee 
scored above 84 points. Below $20 a pound, one pound at a time, delivered to your door. Send me the link, please. So, yeah, Starbucks right now is running uh, 18 a pound for their Ethiopian single origin coffees. 18 and a half pounds, so 36 a pound. I'm 20. What the? Don't order one pound. That fucking kills me. You know how much shipping is now? Shipping is uh, $10 for a USPS pack. I will do it. I'll lose money selling your pound. But seriously, give me a solid. Mm. And if you look on the website, if you try to do the drop down, cases six pounds fit in a media postal box perfectly. Right? So it cost me 16 bucks to ship six cases. It cost me. 10 bucks to ship it in two pounds. So, you know, two or six are my magic numbers. If you want to help me, uh, hey. Okay, I'll tell you about this and I'm going to tell you about a, a deal too. Uh, so, we'll run. I think somebody's trying to watch internet TV. That doesn't help me during a live stream. <laughs> this thing sucks up a lot of bandwidth. Uh, yeah, that's the thing too. Everybody's doing that. Everybody's doing shrinking bags, right? Eight ounce, ten ounce, twelve ounce bags. No way. Versus old. Yeah. I almost like the old black and white better. I might have to redesign them.
stage for packaging. Well, okay, okay, now let's get this in the right label. Okay, okay, so uh, let's see. I was telling you about the roaster. Okay, so that roaster is an Artisan 2.5 built by coffee crafters over in Spokane, Washington. Um, the guy's a supreme dick. Just like me. I fucking love him. Uh, yeah, he just rivals the coffee industry. I'll talk about why Eros is superior in a second. But yeah, his coffee roasters are expensive, but cheap for a commercial. Uh, for commercial, they're cheap, but they're 100% analog. Analog, all of it, all of it, I mean, everything. So, you know, if you're one of the fancy new kids that like to hook all the shit up to your phone and have, like, the computer just run these program cycles that you think up and... Ooh, like, let's try to run this program and see what it tastes like, right? Uh, the problem with that is that computers can't be smart. It can't know that it's already cold out today, so I'm going to, like, a little extra fire into the burner to get up to speed quicker. It has to fail off its program before it can make any adjustments to the roaster. So that's why I hate Always an approximately Oh yeah. Our internet is definitely going wonky. Uh but anyway, so yeah, that's a coffee crafter machine. Uh, the hood that came on it originally. Well, a number of reasons I love the machine. Uh, so he built it, aside from the cabinetry, which they make in-house, uh, he sourced every part for the machine from Harbor Freight. So, when you need a new blower, heater, control knob, relay, anything, there's only like 30 parts of the entire machine. There's about eight critical parts. Uh, but every single part you get at Granger, which means in most urban areas in the USA, your roaster is never out of commission for even a, a one-day roasting cycle. Because literally, you can have a part in about 10 minutes. Get down to Granger inside of an hour or two, right? Grab your whatever, and run back and have your roaster up for the same day. Um, now, they sell a kit when you buy one of these, but it's every critical part. So I bought that when I bought the roaster, and I still not on the have yet to put one part from the critical part kit into this roaster. Uh, so yeah, it has run nonstop other than uh, I've opened her up, I think, three times for cleanings. And back, really vacuumed it out, vacuumed the board off, and like, cleaned the electronics, and like, really cleaned her. Uh, but yeah, coffee crafters. Woo! Shit out of it. So people are like, oh, yeah, I'm working with a friend of mine suggested somebody consult with me. I'd open it up a small grocery or the grocery. And it's like, <laughs> choose wisely. You're, you're about to own a roaster. 
that, you know, if you go with something that's more risky and might be easier to have novices roast on, or people that don't know what they're fucking doing at all, if you're going to run a program where you're going to have like hourly employees roasting for you, um, then. Yeah, ooh, okay. Uh, yeah, you might. Um, oh, yeah, okay. Um, you might want to go computerize, right? There's a reason populations in a commercial setting make six figures. It's, it's an art. It is an art. It's system includes the same product. With very atmospheric conditions. But anyway, so uh, so this rooster, the super trick thing about it, well, two things. It's an air room. So he roasts on a bed of air. Grump roastery was the technology that was in play from like 1550 until 1980. Um, right? It was all various versions of heating up a piece of steel really hot, putting bees on it, and conductively, directly heating the beans from the metal to the bean, touching it, burning it, scorching it, scorching the outside of it. That's just how coffee was roasted. Uh, and nobody thought anything was wrong with it. That's just how it was done, right? You burn the fucking piss out of the outside of the bean. You try to cook to the inside of the rock by heating the outside of it, right? So you burn it. And, uh, you know, you get it all hot enough, and then you got the problem. Uh, you know, until... Well, there, there wasn't... There was not even a school for coffee or coffee science until literally... About five, ten years ago, the Specialty Coffee Association, everybody chipped in money independently, all the independent roasters in America, and we started a coffee school at UC Davis, the first one in the world. Uh, so there's now a genetics thing, uh, and there's a, a, right, because there was no scientific categorization study at all, like on an industry level for coffee. Genetics around the world has gotten really thin, dangerously thin. Um, so there's a whole ring that's on coffee diversity and genetics right now. Uh, and like what what and what coffees makes what flavors? How does that come to be? First you have to categorize what flavors are in what coffee everywhere. That that whole project's been going on for years. Uh, uh, and if you notice, uh, uh, let's see, this is the first So, yeah, first they had to figure out what what flavors were where, right, in what, and then why, but which genetic is picking up what out of the soil to produce what flavors. It's a huge matrix, so many variables. Uh, but yeah, genetic diversity is the first thing they're looking at. 
grabbing all the pieces you want to so wider variety of different vines that are scoring really well and spreading those onto other continents and other countries so the coffee doesn't go through such large if you look at back at the coffee graph for pricing it goes straight countries tend to monocrop and then when you monocrop or kind of you know couple crop you tend to get bugs or pathogens that are specific to that genus uh, and that becomes a real problem because then when you lose shit, you lose like, you lose like half countries of things, right? Because it's no diversity. Like permaculture isn't a word They ended up kind of stumbling into the rainforest thing and co-growing co it with other food crops, probably shade grow coffee and all that. Uh, Basically, it's producing a better coffee on more beans, so then why wouldn't you keep doing the thing that's working, right? Because permaculture works. So, what does that work? Interesting thing about green coffee. See all these big giant sacks? 
So I do all my single origin coffees or other people's brands in black bags. And I leave my signature sparkling blue ah, for the Brian's blend. And I just like the blue bags. I don't know. I always have. Come on, second crack. Let's go.
I could hear the tonal difference between a uh, water escaping crack and a CO2 escaping crack. The CO2 is a sharper, higher pitch, quicker uh, tone, and the CO2 is a longer duration, lower pitch crack. I don't know if you can hear this on the headphones. Got a good snap, 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 snap. So now it's starting to go into a third where it will just race to the end and turn itself off of my own stop. It. So we're just going to, it's a slight balancing act. A good dark road, I want dark. But I don't want to see the oils on the surface of the beam so much at this part, right? I want to take it out. right as they're starting to come up to the surface. Now that way they'll finish off by the time you get it. There we go. See the little smoke coming out of the sheet? Cracks are falling down. I see the first signs of oil on the beans. I'll show it to you here in a second. Let them cool down. Yeah, so that went 13 15 seconds. It's nature produces the most amount of dissolved solids of pretty much any coffee. Um, that's why it's really good to use as a, something to beef up coffee blends, make them have a big feel in your mouth, like, oh, there's a lot of coffee in that coffee, rather than a lot of floral in that coffee, or a lot of honey in that coffee, or a lot of chocolate. Roasters will use like uh, Brazilian beans in their blends as like the 50% bean, right? Because it's very neutral, very light, very light body, just coffee, coffee. So then they put like a Guatemalan or Ethiopian or a straight single origin Guatemala and say if you make that 50% Brazil, you know, 5149 thing or whatever, so it's mostly Guatemala, you could shave your cost down a lot. Okay. So this is dark roasted Costa Rican. See how it's nice and dark, and there's just the slightest hint of oil on just a few of the beans. So, we got it right. Now, by the time you get them, four or five days, the oil will have started to express up to the surface. It will be a nice French roast without being burned. 
So let's see. Uh, stage for the next one. Uh, okay. So we were talking earlier about uh, air roasting. What makes it different? So drum roasts, right, are direct conduction. You're pressing the hot bean against the hot metal, and you're trying to raise its temperature through direct contact. In an air roaster, the bean's floating on a bed of air, right? Um, oh, let's see. Are we going to finish this off? Probably. So it's floating on a bed of air, right? So all parts of the bean are equally as hot at the same time all around it. So it is not super hot on one side and room temp on, you know, hot on the other side. Super hot, hot. This temperature differential where it's driving through at weird angles, um, it kind of all, all comes up to temp at once. And that's why this roasting is so much more violent than an air roaster. Boom, it kind of happens at once. Um, uh, let me read that label this right before I get distracted. Uh, but yeah. Um, so, by bringing a bean up to temperature through um, induction versus conduction, right? Being in a hot atmosphere and coming up through the temperature of your atmosphere, um, it helps the bean roast equally. So, if you grind up air roasted coffee and look at it versus ground up drum roasted coffee, you'll see air roasted coffee has a super uniform color to it. You won't see a lot of dark specks and light specks and then a lot of brown. You'll see one color because the bean from the outside to the inside is cooked the same amount. Uh, browning is called a Mylar reaction. Right? It's an actual chemical reaction in the carbohydrates inside the bean, the sugars, baking, becoming brown, right? When you grill a thing or throw a steak on and you get the brown, browning on a cookie, right? It's browning. It's called, that's called the mylar reaction. And if, uh, zero, okay, if, uh, oh, actually, I can just pretty shit. So, the physics of browning haven't been fully figured out yet. Um, remember I said there was that whole school of coffee at UC Berkeley that was actually figuring out the technical data, etc. Chef schools have been working on this forever. Baking is kind of an art because of that. Uh, browning as a science has not been completely flushed out. Uh, there's kind of a little magic in the end of it. It, it doesn't occur the same. Uh, like, it's, it's just tricky. That's where the whole, like, you have to have a recipe understands visually what they are looking at. That's the big coffee companies when they do private legal contracts.
set the roast parameter for delivery is based on how what color the beans are because that is a the most truest representation of how much they have been cooked or how well they have been cooked, depending on how you look at it. Um, so, what they do is they grind that up, they throw the grounds on like a petri dish, and then it goes into a, a well, it's kind of like a mass spectrometer, although it's not, uh, it doesn't burn the thing. Um, It, you put it, you grind up the coffee, you put it in a petri dish, you slide it in, and a super bright, very exact white light hits it, and what bounces back up to the collection plate, it sends a reading for what color that is inside this big metal box, right? So there's no straight photons, it's getting the exact same amount of light, and can measure it, and it's a 1 to 100 index of how dark it is. Right, something that is perfectly black with all that reflectivity will come out 100. And perfectly pure white, 100% reflectivity rate will come out of 1 through a 0. So, yeah, uh, that's how you measure coffee. And, right, I didn't say they put whole coffee beans in and look at them, right? Because that would be telling you what they put the surface to. And if it was like 90% of coffee companies out there who coffee, that wouldn't tell you at all how the bean was cooked because the surface could be burnt to hell and the insides could be completely raw if they cook it super fast. You'd have no way to know. That's why you have to do the, uh, you have to do the light testing with the ground coffee sample so that you can see in mass, what is the average color of this sample? The trick thing, if you do it with air roasters, is when you put in whole beans and run that, and then put in ground and run that, you'll come up with the same number. Okay, so that is. Okay, that's that. We're going to do start roast on this too because why not? Because it's a great coffee. I'm just not telling you which one it is. Oh, that would be a little sleep. Hey, if you've always wanted to start a coffee company and you're like, fuck it, hey, I'm going to do it. I offer roasting classes on Airbnb experiences. If you're looking up on Airbnb experiences, just type in Brian spills the beans. Brian spills the beans. Boom! Come right up. If you're thinking of flying in to come do the class, uh, don't book it on Airbnb uh, experiences. Just go read about it. And then just hit me up on anything online. That contact me at the bottom of the page goes to me and Chicken Joe. Just so nothing gets lost. But yeah, we'll get back to you. Because uh, you might as well just come out and stay in the Airbnb for a couple days. And, uh, you know, I will give you an in depth class on coffee, 
copy marketing, copy posting, copy sourcing, everything. Yeah, somebody was talking about starting up Coffee company, good buddies. It's like, hey, I got somebody you should 100% talk to. Like my internet is just shit. But yeah, yeah, so I got back from them this morning. Why should I pay you hard-earned money to consult on my coffee startup or whatever? After I got done laughing, I was like, well, the true answer is it's a fucking token. $40 a month to have access to me for brand management, small business building, and coffee knowledge is a fucking token payment. <laughs> BlackRock used to pay me $300 a fucking hour or any part thereof to pick up the phone and answer questions. Who do you think helped 7-Eleven get into the current day single origin coffee business? I flew to Dallas every fucking week for four years and sat with the beverage director at every kitty bar, martini bar, and sushi bar in fucking Dallas. That is why 7-Eleven has single origin coffee today. Somebody had to put the pencil to it. And show them in a world of Starbucks and Pete's and Caribou and Touch Brothers and all the local decent coffee that doesn't taste like fucking battery acid water. Like, they were trying to hold the dollar, 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 nine, dollar, like, up on their, you know, this coffee ain't a fucking dollar at 7-Eleven anymore. Sorry, world. Uh, and the true mathematics of it. All right, so the true math is, as a restaurant chain or whatever operator, you need to, like, reach deep in your fucking pocket, deep down, and you got to get three more fucking pennies for a cup of coffee out of your pocket to spend, to go from, like, shit commodity, when you're talking, you're going to buy 40, 50, 100 pounds of coffee. Yeah, three fucking pennies, right, to go from shit ass sawdust Right, so, but 
way better than what they were doing before, right? Way better. So. That was the map. They had to go to their board of directors and convince them that some of them should break the dollar thing and should crush their club. Buck 29, buck 49, we're going. Right? They're going to add on three to four cents in cost. They're going to up their price 20 cents. Okay, do some like, do some monkey bath with me. That means there's a better cup and you're going to make 16 more cents on every fucking cup. Now the question is, if you have quality, will you sell more cups and make more per cup? I think the world knows the answer to that. Yes. Shitty coffee is only for Northeasterners who think of matter acid, the more keen creamers in the third is coffee. The rest of the world has That's okay. That just means I get to drink it. Half, I forget. Not a bad problem to have. Not a bad problem to have. Okay, but yeah, yeah. So why, yeah, why should I consult with you on my little startup coffee business? Uh, let's see. I was the first human ever to put the energy beverage formula into a hot beverage. It was called Mocha Overdrive. Then we rocked the convenience store show one year with that. It just blew the motherfuckers out of the water. Yep, we beat them. We beat the big boys. Oh, yeah. Folgers, all of them. All the guys that used to Red Bull was crushing and just take market share. It was so silly. They would take a market share from coffee, and since I ran our convenience store division, I got fucking pissed. And, like my motto always is, fuck defense. Always offense. So, instead of figuring out how to defend my coffee brand against Red Bull's intrusion, <laughs> now you gotta remember, we weren't like a giant company. We were like 300 million at that time, right? And you got the crazy me. Well, I was wearing a suit tie and had short hair at that time. Coming in the boardroom, we were privately owned too, so we were owned by a dude. But there was a board to make sure he was on track. But really, when you presented, you were presenting to the dude, then the board was, eh. 
not hard. So, I have to convince the dude that we were going to go fucking take on, like, a multi-billion dollar company and just punch him in the fucking nose. And we would be first to market of all the giant fucking coffee companies because they had wanted to pick the fight, right? I, I, I kind of had the inkling that they probably had formulations sitting on shelves, maybe. We did. It was like 14 days before the, the coffee show. Well, the International Sea Store show. And uh, I got the fucking green light to do it. Mocha Overdrive, baby. <laughs> done and done. It was 110% of the Tory and Corona per ounce of Red Bull. So Red Bull was an 8 ounce can. If you got an 8 ounce coffee, it would have 110% of the Red Bull. So it'd be a Red Bull possible. Well, truck stops all across America, 24 ounce Mocha overdrives for a buck 49. So you're talking, that was three and a half Red Bulls for a dollar 49. When Red Bulls running three points a can. As soon as the truckers figure Oh, it was fucking beautiful. Let's see. What else? C store. Why would you pay me forty dollars a month to help you with your your coffee company idea? <laughs> so Albertsons nationally started opening C stores everywhere. We ran their we ran their private label program in the actual grocery store. So when their gas station thing came, they let soldiers take it at first, and they couldn't understand why they couldn't break past industry averages at all, no matter how much money they spend marketing the fucking shit for these coffee, right? Because once you get to be a certain size of an industry like that, there's all kinds of metrics. So every one of those big chains, you know, how many cups a day, all the other chains are pouring out of the coffee. So they, they can definitely barometer metric check how well their programs do, right? And I just told you, well, the past five years, I've been helping all these small chains around America to move much superior coffee, right? So if you were big old dumb guys and you just came out with Folgers in your gas stations to start, and you're flying Folgers flags in Seattle and Portland and LA and, you know, Metroplexes, where there's good coffee, has been now for 20 years at that point, uh, it wasn't going to do it, right? The only way, the only way you could sell more cups was to sell not shit coffee. Actually go to like advanced brewers, throw in glass bowls, all the shit, all of it. Oh yeah. And marketing, like how do you market it, right? It's not price point marketing anymore. It's quality. 
the old guys that had done shit the old way, because right, of course, when all the support go into the gas game, what do they do? They just go hire the big execs from all the petroleum companies. Because they're not like, hey, we're going to break into the space, let's reinvent the fucking gas station, right? No. How do we do the same old thing and make it 1% better so we don't get in trouble if anything goes wrong? Oh, fucking ridiculous. And the only reason that Boulders got in there to begin with was this fucking boy. The shit out of him. He bought a good one. He actually put about a hundred million dollars. Your equipment buys that pours out shit car because they're gonna cook you. Yeah, whatever. You notice all the good specialty coffee companies. You never see like Starbucks on the gas station counter with free equipment. If good coffee's there, the equipment's bought by the gas station, right? Because I'm not having to bribe you to buy my shit ass coffee by giving you equipment. Like you understand the game. You understand if you do it well, coffee can be really profitable in a, a restaurant quick service environment. So you give a fuck enough to like invest in your own equipment, and then you'll probably actually train your people how to make it okay, and everything will be better because you'll have ownership. Yeah, I used to fight the bankers at every fucking level. Like, I don't know how do ugly guys get dates, you know? Fucking Lambo or drag a hundred through the trailer park. Yeah. Like, come on, is that even trying? That's not fucking. Let's get America to embrace a higher level of coffee experience. Not easy, but to the people who moved first, they got loyal customers. And all those new coffee bars that are in the last 20 years where you go in, there's 27 fixes and fresh, cold, whipped like real shit. That's the thing. Back east, they love so much sugary syrup. Yeah. Oh, what am I doing? Okay. <laughs> I was. Do it backwards. Do it backwards. Win it first. You don't succeed. Do it backwards. I was going to do a light roast, and then a medium, and then a dark, but it looks like I'm just going to do it the other way around. Uh, Coffee club. I love roasting for my homies.
Costa Rican. I left myself a little place to handwrite you on uh, how dark I roasted it. Yeah, I kind of figured a little handwriting might be better than a little roast meter that I check off. We'll see how everybody likes it. Christmas orders. Uh, you guys want anything sent out? Anything sent out for Christmas? Uh, looks like, well, when I say Christmas, I mean, you know, anything. Holidays. Uh, we wrap uh, Solstice! Yeah, December 21st. We're going to have a hoedown. Uh, but yeah, we're reparting for Solstice. Uh, but yeah, the. Uh, if you want holiday presents sent out or coffee sent out, uh, order somebody a two pack. Uh, you know, get a good price, uh, or get them a six pack. Get them a case. You can get them like two different origins of choice. So you could say like Honduran and Peruvian, or Ethiopian and Colombian. Uh, and you could say give them a light, medium, and dark of each of those two. Or whatever, you can mix any way you want because it's custom. Uh, if you're not a member of my seat, 
dark roasts, uh, yeah, especially back to the restaurant world. You'd make portion packs for everybody, right? You'd pre-grind them in the warehouse, fill them in a nitrogen tunnel so they never hit oxygen and then end up in the valve bags. Just you, it depends what level of store, right? If they were really going to have something working in the coffee bar, they'd have grinders and such. But scrolls out in Iowa, Nebraska, and shit, no fucking way, they'll never do it. So portion packs were always better to give uniformity in coffee weight to the brew. Then you didn't have to adjust the basket based on light, dark, whatever, right? The machine just spat out bags of whatever volume by weight of coffee they wanted. So SCAA Gold Cup Standard. Well, now SCAA uh, like 3.2 My gun keeps in Bulger's been trying to get away with Throwing like 1.2, 1.1 ounce packs, right? And that's what they make it just coffee water, acidic coffee water. That's why they had to go light for those sorts of And okay, now we're, uh, oh yeah, second part, second part. Keep on the roasting plants, scrambling. Roasting plan, roasting plan. All right, let's see. Any more questions? Uh, can you drop that in my bag? Oh, oh, that nug. Ha, 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 vegan nug. Oops. <laughs> Somebody gets a lucky Christmas tree. In case you haven't heard about my beautiful, uh, so yeah, we're a nursery also. Um, we do a thing called a reverse Christmas tree. So instead of having pictures of your kids next to like a tree every year that you cut down and then literally throw into the trash and they get to watch it get all the way by the garbage guy and just sent to the landfill year after year. The opposite. We bring you a tree in a pot that's kid size and you know what? It will grow up with kids. And then when it gets too big for your house and you're like, hey, scramble it, no fucking boss, it won't fit in the door. Okay, okay. Then we retire your tree out to the permaculture farm and we put a really cool little plaque on it. You know, family Christmas tree of the Schwartzes. 
of, you know, years, plot plots or whatever, and then it gets planted in nature and it'll grow for a long time. It'd be in the hip camp around the Fisher Golf Course, and people will experience your treat for a long time. Imagine those kids take their kids out to go play frisbee disc golf and see their childhood Christmas tree instead of just, you know, being the cat in the hat kids in the window watching as your Christmas tree just gets hauled away by the fucking garbage bag year after year. Or, or you get a Chinese plastic tree. And you're like, hey, Chinese plastic, woo! Oh, I'm back. Okay, we switched to a different internet. Don't know. Don't know. 
it was the 50th highest ranked podcast in the genre when we put her to bed, officially landed her gently. Then we started on Lose the Goose after party for a whole new crew of content creators who just want to come on and shoot the shit and talk about what they're making and doing and how they're doing it and all the interesting shit. So we label that show UTG after party a backwoods bar conversation. So it's like you're talking to the bartender behind a bar out in Minnesota. You know, we swear a lot, but you learn a lot of the penalty. Yep, 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 that's it. And then Friday show, eh, crapshoot, usually never matches the title because I make the titles on Sunday and by Friday, nah, whatever, whatever. Uh, all right, well, thanks for uh, roasting coffee with me hanging out. I'm going to get back to work. Usually I have some music jamming in here, but I'm going to listen to this and see how it came through. And then if I get away with bringing my speaker back in here and put it somewhere where I won't mess up the broadcast too much and I can answer questions and shit, then we're going to get the music back. Maybe do a multi-camera. I don't know. I'm working on this stuff. All right. Love you guys. Thanks for hanging out with me. It's Friday. We'll do something super fun. Let me go out to the property. Camp Nikki. Yeah. Okay. Get this. If you Google Camp Suniki, S-U-N-E-E-K-E-E, Camp Suniki, bam, top of the page. If you Google Church of the Squirming Coil, uh-huh, page one, search one, bam, Church of the Squirming Coil, our only project, a Squatch Fest. Uh-huh. Yes. That's true. I gotta go uh, do a tour with some uh, with some music dudes this weekend and see if we can't get this thing just dialed. It's gonna be fun. Next level shit. All right, come come visit. It's winter and raining. Oh, hey, it cracked. I gotta get back to work. Bye. <laughs>